Hello and welcome to the Tucson Bitcoin Podcast. Uh, man, what a crazy week. And uh, you know, I think a lot of people are out there are, are realizing how uncertain the future is, how fragile our institutions are, and that, you know, nothing is for certain. Um, that being said, you know, conversations like this for me are you know, really, really revitalizing, you know, they, they speak to my soul in a way that, you know, I really need. And, uh, you know, talking about Bitcoin, like we really do have an opportunity to push back against crazy government overreaches, you know, being completely taken advantage of by them, uh, you know, forcing horrible monetary policy on us and stealing from us through inflation. Um, and I think it's so exciting, you know, and to see, uh, you know, Katie live out the self-sovereign life, you know, to hear about her travels, to hear about her business, Plan B passports, it, it was just really fun. You know, everybody uh, has a different experience with Bitcoin and uh, hers is really unique and cool. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. So you're tuning in from... Uh... Colorado and you do quite a bit of traveling. So how, how did you get into that lifestyle? Well, I'm an immigrant. I moved to the United States about four and a half years ago. And uh, I first moved to Miami just because it seemed like an easy entry point. And once I was able to get out of there, I decided to do so. And for three and a half years now, I've been looking for a place to settle. Uh, funny enough, Three and a half years ago, as I was living in Florida, I was like, I will never live in Miami ever again. And uh, after a few more travelings, I'm actually going back to Miami and like settling there for about six months. Uh, interestingly enough, simply because Miami seems like one of the freest places in the United States right now. And I'm currently in Boulder, Colorado. And this is the first place like I've over the last year, I had 40 flights and I've been in many states and this place seems to be like under the most restriction uh so far so i'm going to miami just because my life is not going to be affected by pandemic there and i'm just going to proceed with my life yeah i think that's been something that's been really difficult for people all over the place and it, it's pretty uh crazy traveling i um just recently went to new mexico uh for christmas with my girlfriend and you know you go across the border into Texas and everything's open and normal for the most part um, with some restrictions uh, and then New Mexico is like a complete ghost town but yeah Miami um, seems like the mayor over there has been pretty uh, receptive towards Bitcoin and I, I think Anthony Pompliano is moving out there too so I'm getting some good Bitcoiners. Yeah it's it's definitely a good hub to be right now all the tech companies financial companies are moving to Miami for the same reason as I do, but also, you know, good weather, uh, affordable, affordable rent and all that stuff is pretty attractive. Um, I don't know. It seems like the whole world was moving to Miami. So I wonder what's going to happen after that. And first we were seeing uh, San Francisco folks moving to Colorado. Actually, a lot of them just moved to Boulder and Denver. And now it's all so closed. Like I can do, I can dine in anywhere. I can take classes and I'm like, nope, now they're all gonna move somewhere else. So it seems like two of the most attractive uh, cities in the United States right now are Austin, Texas and Miami, 
uh, Florida. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a ton of people moving to Texas and I just got to say, Arizona has been pretty uh, decent during the pandemic and hasn't been too ridiculous. Uh, Tucson, our mayor is trying to shut things down, but she's kind of going to war with the governor. So he's not really having much of it, but yeah, I mean, the, the impacts on, on people, um, their mental health and on, uh, uh, on small businesses is terrifying. Like I I've sat down with a couple business owners in here in Tucson to interview them and how they've gotten around the restrictions. And it's pretty terrible, but yeah, I mean, it, it feels like tw- the COVID pandemic and the, the restrictions have kind of turned a lot of people into libertarians and, uh, um, and Bitcoiners for sure. I mean, watching, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of sad that it took so much, so long to them to realize that government hates you, and they have absolutely no, like they they don't have your interest at heart. That's for sure. But like, if you needed a last slap to realize that, like, you should be sovereign, you should find alternative ways to travel around, alternative assets to you know store your wealth, and like, it was the last slap that people needed, and. If you did not wake up by now, I don't know, you're, you're pretty much beyond saving at this point. Yeah, so you say, um, I'm, I'm in agreement with you there, uh, but you say government hates you. What do, what do you mean by that? That's pretty much what I mean. Uh, they do not have your interest. They, they really do not care about you. They're the institution that is living on your money they only, the only thing they want from you is control over you and manipulation over you. And that's what we keep giving them by living on fiat system, by following their laws, obeying whatever they letting us know, like whatever, obeying whatever they tell us what to do. And that's pretty sad to see. Sure. I mean, everything they do is like fucking us over print more money, close down all the small businesses. Like, this is crazy. This is unacceptable. And if you thought that government is some, like something we need for a civilized society, I mean, look around how civilized your society is these days in the United States. What are you paying taxes for? For school that is not open? For, for the roads that you can't use because you're living in a pod in your, in your apartment? Like, this is crazy. Like, you should wake up and realize that you should not obey whatever they tell you what to do. Yeah. I, I, what was your shifting moment that uh, kind of set you down the path of, of believing in self-sovereignty and, and ownership over yourself? It seems like my whole life was pretty much pushing me in this direction. I was born in Russia. Um, and I keep saying like Russia has been into monarchy and then communism and now democracy was the same president for the last 20 years. So like that kind of makes you realize that whatever system system they're trying to force on you is not working clearly, like they tried everything. So maybe we should stop relying on authority and, you know, uh, depend on ourselves and uh, manage ourselves like grownups pretty much. And, um, and then like if you look into money, um, when I was in 1998, Russian ruble was six rubles per dollar, and now it's 80. 
So I've seen hyperinflation throughout my lifetime. And um, in terms of financial system, um, point of my like point of no return for me of believing into fiat currency was I went to, in 2014, I went to Spain for two months. I was uh, training, I was competing for Russian national team. And as I was in Spain, all my savings were in Russian rubles and Crimea crisis happened. So while I was in Spain, my, my national currency dropped 50%. And I'm like studying, uh, I'm a sophomore year, second year is it sophomore? Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know. So I'm second year into economics and finance school. And I'm like, I don't think this, that's what they taught me in macroeconomics classes. And I got back to my, to my college, to my university, and I dropped out pretty quickly after that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible to, to see the differences between what they teach in school and uh, what's happening. I mean, most of it is directed toward, especially economics, most of it's directed towards teaching people that the government is the end-all be-all when it comes to managing economies, which is uh, pretty wild and in and, and stark contrast to the Austrian school of economics, which is what Bitcoin really exemplifies in a lot of ways. So Again, they don't have your interest. So anything that comes from government is probably not going to serve you well. So remember, we had separate state and church because they pretty much push in religion to the point where it's like, where they have more control over you. Then now we have separate state and money because they're controlling the money system, they're controlling your incentives, which is which sucks. Like, that's why we're all consumerists. That's why we all trying to survive by working nine to five at best, but probably 50, 60 hours at this point. Um, and then as well, like educational system, right? When it comes from government, they're pretty much gonna teach you something that will turn you into believing in government, just obeying whatever they tell you. And uh, like at the end, they will have more control over you. So I'm definitely gonna work on something to like separate state and education i pretty much want to separate state in my life whatsoever because at this point like we can't fix the system so the only way to do to go is to disassociate so in my opinion disassociation is the key uh stop talking to terrorists uh stop you know interacting with them take your kids out of school because they're going to be taught how to obey and that's not what you want your free kids to to do, right? You want them to have critical thinking. You want you want them to think for themselves, maximize their happiness in life, and that's not something that they've been taught in public school. So I definitely want to work in this direction later on. And same with healthcare, right? You go to doctors. How many of us been fucked over by doctors? Like you come in with a problem, they're like treating the symptom, really not caring what the root of the problem is giving you terrible advices on how to fix yourself. And then you're just getting sick more and more and you're never, you know, you never achieve the well-being that you could achieve by doing your own research and figuring out like taking a sovereign approach to your health. And that's something I'm already working towards, uh, not only for myself, but for other people in the world as well. Yeah, there's this really uh, uh, strange, uh, occurrence in American culture where uh, it's it's founded on self-governance, it's founded on freedom and liberties, and we're seeing that thrown away. Um, and it's a whole lot of like, 
one of the most relieving things for me in 2020 was not voting and not being a part of the political process and yet feeling like I'm really working hard to create a stronger community around myself and empower individuals and really take on um, self-sovereignty and teach other people to have those tools, teach them how not to um, have their wealth destroyed by inflation and taxation and, you know, these other things that are just so awful, like uh, just pure fraud coming from Wall Street. Um, yeah, but there, absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing the right and the left, you know, both cheering on authoritarianism, um, wanting to see the other side like locked up. And it's it's pretty horrifying to watch. Um, you know, we're seeing violence in our cities and, and people are fighting and just things are looking more unstable. So, um, yeah. My question to those people is pretty much is like, okay, let's say your party wins, like your side wins. And now imagine you're fucking over 50%, like other 50% of the of your country. How do you feel about it? Like, they keep telling me that I'm evil, I'm toxic, because like, I, I don't vote and etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But like, voting is pretty much saying, okay, this half of the country is fine, but the other half of, of, of the country should struggle. And like, obviously, nothing really changes when you vote. But just the thought of it, like, you're fucking up 50% of the country. How do you feel about that? Maybe you should take other steps that will benefit all of us and will not just give all the power to a, a handful of people that are going to do just fine, no matter who you vote for, but, you know, take care of yourself, your neighbors and people you love. And that's like, that's something I can't understand. And I'm very sad to see that other people who are playing the blue red game are not seeing it clearly at all and that that's pretty sad yeah yeah um what one of the things i after watching the event at the capitol earlier this week um that i was excited to have you on and pick your brain about was uh the whole plan b passport organization that you're a part of um it seemed seeming like there may be uh some benefit to potentially having uh, the ability to go and live in a country that isn't as chaotic or um, authoritarian, I, I guess I would say. But um, yeah, how did you get involved with them? And uh, what is it that you guys do over there? Absolutely. So I'm an immigrant myself. Throughout the process of immigration, I realized that like sometimes I have more benefits than you guys as citizens of the US just by being a tourist first and then, you know, being in the process of acquiring green card. And uh, throughout this process, I was like, wait, so if I have more passports or more residences, I might benefit even more. And so I started looking into this thing called flag theory. And the concept behind the idea of flag theory is to limit your dependency on any one particular state to find jurisdiction that will benefit you, your business, your lifestyle, your family. Um, and that's pretty much like it picked my interest right away. And I started looking into that. And then, um, uh, yeah, I started uh, working with a company called Micronis. And later on, I created my, my company, Plan B Passport, was mostly focused on like Bitcoin community or like big businesses. Um, 
And that's what I've been doing for last two years. Yeah. So some of the, the countries that you, um, have listed on your website as potential places to get passport They're They're out in the Caribbean and they look really nice. Uh, what is the, how, like, how does that process work where you, um, help people attain these passports in other countries? Yeah, absolutely. So I consider it as your security system, right? And with every security system, first thing you have to do is to figure out what your attack vectors are. So, uh, is it state actors? Is it your ex-wife? Um, is it, uh, you know, um, how do you say, natural disasters, et cetera, et cetera. Based on this, you create, you strategize what could be the best exit plan for you, right? And I'm mostly focused on tax havens, um, such as Caribbean Islands, St. Kitts, Antigua, Dominica, Grenada. Uh, there's also an island called Vanuatu next to Australia and Portugal. But I actually work with 30 plus jurisdictions uh, to, you know, to cover all the attack vectors and all the goals and needs that my clients might have. Um, so, for example, like over the last year, we've seen that you might not have freedom to travel if you just have U.S. passport. So that would be one reason to get Plan B passport. Or you might not be happy with U.S. Um, U.S. Uh, structure of taxation, like U.S. United States is one of the two countries in the world that has citizenship-based taxation, which means no matter where you live, where your, where your income comes from, you have to file the scribbles every year, which I think is absolutely terrible, and we should definitely fight for uh, ending the citizenship-based taxation. Then another reason would be like instability in your country. Right now, we see blue-red fight, like it, it, it already looks like a civil war, uh, we might not see it in the form of like, you know, fighting and shooting just yet, but like maybe that's that's a new way of having a civil war, just like war on news, war on opinions, and this whole social pressure, like it's disgusting. And you might not want to stress yourself out and just move elsewhere where, it, where it's not going to be that terrible and you're going to be free and happy. So that would be another reason to get a passport. Uh, the, the countries I have listed on the website are tax havens, well-known tax havens. So no global income tax, no capital gains tax, no inheritance tax. Uh, it's extremely easy to acquire the passport as long as you don't have criminal background. You pretty much uh, initiate the process going through due diligence where the country is pretty much doing research on you and figuring out if you're somewhat good citizen. And uh, five, six months later, you got another passport. You don't have to visit the island. It's pretty much uh, donation-based citizenship by investment program. Um, there are two different ways. Do you want me to just like walk you through uh, sure. different options? So there are two, um, two options. The first one is donation into sustainable growth fund of the country, which is pretty much you've given them hundred or $150,000 depending on the jurisdiction and, uh, and you get your passport. And another one would be investment into real estate, uh, which pretty much you're buying property on the island, uh, depending like, required, uh, you have to follow the requirements of the CBI unit. And uh, that's how you acquire passport as well. So it's not hard, you don't have to visit the island, you can just get passport and go travel the world never visiting the passport, uh, the jurisdiction that you got passport from. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm focusing on those countries. 
the, the process of acquiring passport is extremely confidential. So they're not going to go ahead and, uh, you know, announce to every country you go to that you're actually a citizen of the US, but now you've got another passport. So it's on you to go and let your motherland, like your original jurisdiction know that you've got another passport. So I think it's a really great thing. And uh, I don't know, you probably read Sovereign Individual. So it's pretty much the thesis playing out right now, like jurisdictional arbitrage. You're going somewhere, like we are not tied to one location anymore. We all work from home pretty much, like for the most part. We, uh, we can take our wealth in a thumb drive and a, you know, or just remember a few words and go elsewhere. So you don't have to carry your gold, carry your apartments or anything. You can just pick it all up and go elsewhere. So why would you stay and deal with authoritarian government and with all the problems that they give you if you could just, you know, find a better place? And I'm all for fighting. You know, I've been accused about like, why don't you stay and fight? Like, this is not how you fight. Uh, sometimes like we did, we did our job. We found a better money. We are pretty much taking away um, their power over us by choosing the money that is not controlled by government. And I think that's a great fight. And if you take more steps to walk towards self-sovereignty with every point of taking away their control, you're becoming more free and you're taking their power over yourself. So I definitely want to empower everybody to just like search what is self-sovereignty, how to take those steps, how to set yourself free and go do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I think a lot of people underestimate the uh, fragility of the state and uh, how quickly everything can devolve into chaos. Um, and also they underestimate um, people in positions of power's willingness to go to great lengths to keep and keep control and keep their power. And it's pretty, it's pretty scary. Um, I mean, we've seen a lot of things happen in the past year in the United States that, you know, I don't think anybody could have ever imagined just trillions of dollars getting printed, the shutdowns of the businesses. Um, there's a lot of censorship going on in social media. And then globally, too, there's a lot of uncertainty, um, you know, like real currency failures where um, like what you experienced or, or worse in Venezuela, Iran, Lebanon, uh, Argentina, you know, you can go down the list and, you know, for whatever reason, there's this feeling, I, I, I think in the United States specifically of like, that won't happen to us because we're, um, we're the good guys. We're the, uh, strongest nation in the world. We're, uh, you know, the best representation of democracy, you know, or whatever, um goes down the list and and it's it's pretty uh far from the truth in reality so but one thing we also need to remember how they take control over us is by putting us in fear right imagine two years ago you were told hey you won't be able to have dinner in a restaurant only outside you won't be able to gather more than six people in your apartment because it's illegal. Like just listing all those restrictions, you would be like, this is crazy. This is worse than communism. Like this is, this is just insane. You wouldn't believe it. But then there is a virus that puts all of us in fear. And just like 
chickens were obeying whatever we told like we just or ships i guess um we're just doing whatever they tell us to do we're staying in our pots and not proceeding with our lives then we're becoming more depressed we don't have social interactions we don't have means to leave like the the suicide rate is skyrocketing so we're all living in fear doing whatever we told and giving them power day by day and just like that like I feel like this pandemic was a big uh, tryout for them, how far they can push us uh, by just putting us in fear of a sickness. And like, I will take my freedom any day over a life like this where I can't do anything. Like, this is not the life that I'm here for. And like, if I have to die of, of a virus, like that's on me, that's my choice, okay? And this is this is just terrible and sad to see but at the same time, my life was absolutely amazing this year. I had 40 flights. I traveled the world, met a bunch of great Bitcoiners. Uh, you know, the number I went up. So my life was just great because I was prepared for all that. I knew that they don't have my interest at heart. I knew that I needed to take, you know, steps towards self-sovereignty. And I took some, like, I'm not nearly where I want to be in terms of self-sovereignty but I'm better than most people in the United States. And that's why 2020 was one of the best years of my life. And I believe that 2021 is gonna be even better. Uh, you know, I keep taking steps towards self-sovereignty and I'm gonna achieve a better life. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing to me how ill-prepared people are for if everything, you know, shit hits the fan. It's there's so many people that don't understand where their food comes from and understand the complexities of uh, s- supply chains and, and just imagine that things go up to the grocery or get to the grocery store. And I, I mean, the delusional panic buying, even that we've seen of like the toilet paper, like, you know, that's not an essential, <laughs> it's a, I mean, I guess it's a luxury, but um, you don't want to live without it, but you know, you'd think that people would be, getting the canned foods and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, mo- the money aspect of it is huge because if the currency fails, everything goes to shit, you're going to be stuck. I mean, we, we've seen it happen to the Venezuelans, you know, where these people are just trapped in their country and they're leaving with nothing. And, and- yeah, well, one, you mentioned supply chain. Um, so I was in Mexico when this whole thing started and I barely go to supermarkets ever in Mexico because I have a local farmer markets where I, I know exactly where the food comes from, from which range, from which farm. And uh, then I have a carniceria, which is a butcher shop. And I know exactly from which farm this cow came from. So like if shit hits the fan, I can literally walk out of the city to this farm, work the farm and get my food, right? Like it's like the craziest scenario, but I'm prepared for that. And uh, I was not prepared like that three, four years ago. I'm pretty new to that. Well, I'm also quite young, Uh, but I know people who's been preparing for it for 10, 15 years. And until this year, they were pretty much not benefiting from their preparation, right? Like, you take an extra steps, you're spending sometimes extra money, you learning extra skills. Like it's all, it's all takes time and effort and lazy people don't do that. But then when 2020 hit, we saw why we did all those steps, like why we took them. 
and why we need to keep going because that's how we keep our freedom in those crises like that. So I want to encourage everybody to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I agree. 2020 has been a great year for me. I think partially because I'm kind of a chaos junkie. It's always interesting. It's, it's where I thrive. I mean, it's just the way I grew up and it feels when things are calm and happy, it, I don't intentionally create chaos or try and participate in it, but it's always uh, fascinating to me to, to watch things unravel. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Bitcoin, I, I think probably one of my major shifting points was um, I was watching the HBO documentary on uh, the 2008 financial crisis and just seeing how close we were to a complete collapse of the banking sector and what the implications of that would be where, you know, if the banks go under, then your, um, you can't access your money, your job can't pay you. Um, and things are just, you know, grinding to a, a standstill and all you have is what you physically have. Um, and it's like, man, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to have as little in the banks as possible. And I'm not, I'm not uh, stuffing cash under my mattress or anything like that, but yeah, I mean, Bitcoin, it, it is that, that thing of last resort. And, you know, uh, so I want to pick your brain on this. So, you know, a lot of um, gold bugs will say, you know, like if the internet goes down or something like that, you know, your Bitcoin is essentially rendered uh, useless. So what are, what are your thoughts on that um, in kind of like a worst case scenario? Uh, usually they also bring up like if electricity goes down and internet goes down, but like for the scenario when internet and electricity goes down, the last thing you will care about is like your actual wealth. Like look at the Maslow pyramid, right? The first thing you'll have to take care of is your safety and food. And uh, like, we're all going to just fight for food. So prepare for that. And uh, in case electricity and internet goes down, like just save yourself you're not gonna care about your bitcoin even like we all crazy about bitcoin we love it but like i will not think about it i'll think about my safety and the safety of my loved ones so that will be like okay you're pretty much gonna use your goal to fight i would say in this scenario just because you're not gonna go with a bunch of gold and buy food you're just gonna get hit in the face and the gold will be taken taken out and you won't buy anything like there won't be there won't be quite scenario where we're like oh internet and electricity doesn't work i'm gonna go and trade my gold for something else no that's gonna be a fight so it doesn't matter is it gold is it digital currency like it's just gonna be a different scenario for which none of the hard assets will prepare you for yeah, you can put your gold in a sock and, and smack somebody with it. Yeah, pretty much. It's going to be a rock to protect yourself. Yeah. So um, traveling internationally, uh, uh, how do you, it seems like you've made a lot of connections with different people around the world that are in the Bitcoin community, but uh, what is that like going into different ju jurisdictions and using your Bitcoin as money? I did not take a single COVID test in the last year. And I had 40 flights since the beginning of pandemic. So I was just pretty much strategizing my travel the right way, I believe. So 
I think anybody can still travel anywhere in the world. And some people hit me up with questions like, I need to fly to this country. How do I do that? There's always way around. There's always special visas, special invitations. So like, if you actually need to go somewhere, like it's not a problem. Um, and yeah, I probably met, I, I met so many Bitcoiners this year. This is crazy and beautiful. And I've been asked a lot why I do that. Like, I had Bitcoin Meetup organized in Boulder 10 days ago. Then Bitcoin Meetup organized in Denver three days ago. And I have Bitcoin Meetup in Miami on January 16th. And then I'm going to be Devs Austin uh, on 21st. And people ask me like, why, why do you do that? Like, it's just, just randomly meeting Bitcoiners just for fun. And my answer is pretty much, that's how I'm building hyper-Bitcoinization around myself, right? I'm an immigrant. So I came to this country four and a half years ago not knowing anybody. I don't have high school friends here to hang out with. I don't have like long-term connections. So I have an opportunity to build a perfect tribe around myself, a tribe of like people who are able and willing to fight for each other if needed. Uh, a tribe of people that are like pushing each other to learn more, to educate ourselves, to be more sovereign. And that's how I meet the great people. Um, and imagine like, all the people I know are Bitcoiners. So there's like doctors that will accept Bitcoin. There are lawyers that accept Bitcoin, like accountants, all these people, like any profession, you name it. And uh, that like, it means that I can get services and goods for Bitcoin right now, pretty much anything I want. So I am in hyper Bitcoinization. I can pay them in Bitcoin. They can pay me in Bitcoin. We don't have to touch ugly fiat. We don't have to go through banking system. And uh, I want to try and build hyper-Bitcoinization for myself. And if, it, if all of us do that, that's how we achieve it quicker for ourselves. We might not be able to force it to the world, but they're kind of being forced by the whole situation. But for ourselves, it can be possible just now. Yeah. One of the things that I'm learning to love about Bitcoin is the steep learning curve that it takes to like really understand it and interact with it on a, on a deep level. Um, and one of the reasons why I love that is because it, it forces us to address so many assumptions that we've uh, learned to believe as just being truth. So, you know, the idea that government controls currency, that um, uh, there needs to be inflation, uh, that we need to store our money with banks and rely on third-party intermediaries for everything. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible. So, um, so which, where's the coolest Bitcoin community that you've, you've been to in the world? I actually want to address the previous thing you mentioned. Oh, go uh, ahead. Empowering. Uh, so I had, like, I was a good student, pretty much straight A student, but there were two teachers that would always say, Katie, you will never be good at my subject. And it was English teacher, like English is a foreign language. Mm -hmm. and uh, IT teacher, like um, technology. Um, so now I'm like working in tech for my other company and uh, doing it in English. So that was like an empowerment that I didn't have, but like I figured it out so I could learn it. And then uh, when I got into Bitcoin, I thought that I will never be able to understand how it works, what's happening behind the, you know, all those ones and zeros and stuff. But after some time, I was like, no, I don't want to be a blind believer. I want to verify the thing myself. 
I want to understand how it works. Yes, it was a learning curve, but it was amazing because after I realized that like I could learn this super complex system that involves, uh, you know, economics, uh, technology, encryption, all that cool stuff that I will probably be able to learn whatever the fuck I want in the world. So I took sovereign approach to my health and got out of the big pharma controlled healthcare and fixed my body, fixed my mind uh, pretty quickly after six, six years of believing doctors and trying to get fixed by them. But again, they don't have my interest at heart. So it, it's very empowering. That's why all the Bitcoiners now are like really into gajillion different rabbit holes and they're learning it all from scratch. They're getting really educated on all kinds of cool stuff, 3D printing, healthcare, like all this cool stuff. And uh, that's very empowering. So we all need to keep doing it and we're gonna be just fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's pretty incredible to see the creativity that the Bitcoin community has and, uh, and how also Bitcoin allows people to um, be more creative and, and challenges them to uh, be so. But yeah, I've definitely found an interest. Like I myself have gone from uh, not understanding what, having a basic understanding of what money is to now running um, the Bitcoin protocol on you know a few different nodes. And it was kind of a headache to get there, but yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, now to the community the, question. Yeah. So I believe the coolest community is on Bitcoin Twitter. Like it's just amazing to watch. It's a meme war. We are all family. We know a lot about each other, even though half of us don't have uh, real names, uh, you know, shown on there and don't have pictures, but I feel like I know you all. Um, another thing that um, happened throughout the bear market, which was absolutely beautiful. I took a part in this um, community called Dirtbags. That's how we call ourselves. So every Friday for the last, what, 40 weeks, we've been jumping on the Zoom call off the record completely uh, and just talking through everything. Sometimes we have presentations on like, you know, Tails or um, Start9 was the last, uh, the last Start9 embassy uh, walkthrough was the last presentation or we have people debating self-deploy um, chart um, and that was just amazing. We're, we became a family and uh, that was part of my traveling throughout the year. Like I went to meet uh, some of our dirtbags uh, all in different, like in different places. Some of them came over to Mexico to visit me down there. Then we had an amazing Thanksgiving, Friendsgiving in Arkansas, which was also beautiful. So uh, I definitely found my tribe throughout the bear market and I definitely want to keep it going forward. If you're talking about geographical location, I'm looking at a few places right now, uh, but I'm also considering not only having a community around, but having access to the ocean to be able to flee the country, having access to a border with another country, making sure there are like good tax laws as well as um, gun laws. So I'm like right now I'm gonna be in Florida for the next six months. And obviously I'm not gonna be in Florida all the time. Even this month, I'm gonna have five flights. Um, so I'm still traveling a lot, but uh, I'm also looking at Austin, Texas, like suburb Austin. There is really big Bitcoin community there. There's amazing BitDevs Austin happening every month where you like actually get educated on what's going on at the core level of lightning uh, and just you know connecting with super cool people. 
and Texas is at the border with Mexico, which makes us makes it great to flee the country and also has access to the ocean where I can just sail out of here. Mm -hmm. So that's two places that I'm considered right now. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, so you mentioned uh, guns. So in Arizona, we love our guns. I think we probably have the most lenient uh, gun laws in the entire world. Um, and uh, I love it. I mean, I grew up in a very uh, anti-gun area, um, just north of Chicago. And uh, um, I don't think I ever saw a gun except on a police officer's hip uh, up until the age of 18 when I was out here in Arizona and I walked into a random restaurant and there was just some old cowboy with his huge gun hanging off of his hip and it was the weirdest thing ever. So what, what if uh, Bitcoin and guns seem like they go to hand in hand together? It's, it's a part of the self-sovereignty, at least in America, especially, I think, but uh, what was uh, gun culture like in Russia where you were at and uh, how is that, how has the United States idea of guns kind of shifted your opinion or, yeah. Russian gun laws are pretty terrible. Like you pretty much cannot own a gun just for personal defense. You would have to make a case why you need it. You would have to have a safe, uh, a really big mental health screening, a lot of training, et cetera, et cetera. But I grew up in a country, uh, in a family of a hunter. So my dad still hunting a lot. So I was always, I've been raised around guns. I would shoot guns on my backyard all the time. Um, and interestingly enough, in our schools, we have like shooting competition every year. So all, all kids from fourth grade to end of the high school having to handle a gun in school, uh, train it, and then participate in the competition. So that was great too. Um, and then when I moved to the States, I got even more into that. I recently got an armed security guard card in California. So now I'm able to do it there. Uh, I'm going to a shooting range in Mexico once a month. So I like it a lot. I think everybody needs to be able to handle a gun. And again, that's how you kind of trying to equalize the power between government and your personal your personal security, right? Because what makes them able to do all the shit they're doing? Uh, monopoly on violence. Like that's pretty much, again, how they put you in fear. They have a monopoly on violence. So by arming the, the citizens, we're pretty much trying to equalize it and be like, no, state is not the only actor that can have guns. We have guns too, so you better not fuck with us. And I think that's very important. Yeah, I, I think that brings up, um, there, there's a definitely a major uh, uh, conflict between um, people who are more like liberty minded and, and people that just want peace and security and who think that the state is the means for that. And I think, you know, as you see all throughout history, that unchecked power, uh, giving the state unchecked power, any institution or, or organization does not create security or peace in the slightest and, um, and I mean you can't give that much power to anybody the the best citizen with like you know the best incentives will be given as much power and they will turn evil like give you access to printing uh, printing money you will probably go and print some money that's just how it goes and that's why 
we should not give such a huge amount of power to anybody, any institution, any human. It just shouldn't be the case. Um, regarding the gun laws, interestingly enough, like I've met so many people who are against uh, against guns, and they'll be like, "No, there are so many bad people in the world that will own guns." And I pretty much like everybody who I heard it from, I would be able to convince them otherwise because. They just didn't think about it, but like bad guys will always get guns. Like they have other ways to get guns. They don't care about loss. They're bad guys. They just find another way. There's black market. There, there's well, right now there's 3D printing, which is absolutely beautiful. But like they will find a solution. They have an incentive. They're bad guys. They have incentive to have a gun to do bad things. So your incentive is to to secure yourself to be safe. So like. Gun laws do nothing for bad guys. Gun laws do bad for people who are trying to be safe, trying to be uh, peaceful, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it, I get kind of upset when people uh, suggest uh, gun regulations to me, you know, living in a neighborhood where I hear gunshots pretty regularly and the peace of mind is knowing that I have walls around me to catch the bullets and that I have a gun if anybody tries to come inside um to kind of equalize the power and you know it, it's interesting because like this this topic is really broken down um between people living in cities and, and rural environments you know and if you're living in a rural environment you have to be self-sovereign um because the cops aren't going to be there in two minutes you know the average response times could be anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes and a lot can happen in that time. You're not just going to um, lock yourself in your closet for that long and just like pray. Um, so there's the defense aspect of it. And, it, you know, it's just, I, I want, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, living a self-sovereign lifestyle, I think it, it's really empowering. And, um, and I think that's the thing, like, uh, I, I just don't see it as a, as a net negative, like, um in any way giving people the ability to not be poor and not be you know slaves to their jobs and, and to the government i think is is huge um yeah what you mentioned right now about rural areas that's another um sovereign individual thesis playing out the fall of the cities like we already see people moving out of huge cities like san francisco and new york has been seeing such a huge demographic decrease just because like there is no point to stay there anymore, pay huge rent while working from home. You do not have access to real nature. You do not have, well, not in San Francisco, but like there's no benefits anymore left in big cities. So why would you live there? If you can, if you just need good internet connection, you can work from forest. So people are starting moving there. And that's definitely something I'm planning for myself um, in the in 2021, maybe 2022 to find some, some farm that I'll be able to, you know, maybe grow my own food, shoot my own guns on the backyard and live a free and happy life. Well, hey, Arizona's got a pretty diverse climate. You go up to, I, I live in Tucson, so it's the desert down here, but we have some beautiful mountains and you go up to Northern Arizona and you get all of that. You get the water, the forests. Um, I mean, you can go skiing if you want, not too far I from Colorado. To Arizona recently somewhat recently i've been in arizona in august and i attended a very beautiful event called jackalope freedom fest 
uh, pretty much once a year, they drop a pin somewhere in the forest and a lot of freedom-minded people come over. Some of them are coming with like families, kids for a month, living in the forest, uh, doing all kinds of trades for Bitcoin and silver. And, you know, it's an absolutely free economy. Everybody is self-governed and it's absolutely beautiful. They're putting together a stage where you can pretty much just come, come to the stage, write your own article, uh, I mean, title of your speech, and then give a presentation of whatever you want. Uh, you can attend yoga classes, get massages, you can attend some, you know, um, martial art classes. So that was absolutely beautiful. It was around Flagstaff area. And I spent there a week in the forest with no internet. Absolutely beautiful. I'll have to check it out. That sounds like my type of thing for sure. Um, where, where are some good places that people can follow your work? Um, Katie the Russian on Twitter. I do put some content on YouTube, but recently I've been neglecting it. PlanBPassport.com would be another good resource. And uh, I'm planning to host more webinars this year. I'm planning to put more uh, educational content online. So yeah, Twitter would be the best way to reach out to me. Sure. That's, uh, yeah. And I really appreciate you coming on. It's definitely been a pretty inspiring conversation to talk to somebody that's traveling so much and doing so many cool things, so. Thank you, happy to be here. Yeah, that was a really fun conversation. And it's always really interesting to hear different Bitcoiners' perspective on Bitcoin and why they got into it. You know, I got into it because I was working in behavioral health and studying social work in school um, and really have a passion about my community. And I realized that doing that type of work wasn't really fixing anything, though it is very valuable work. You know, a lot of these agencies are part of the problem. You know, and it's just the more I learned about money, the more I realized the way that it, it really impacts our decision makings and impacts society as a whole. And it's something that isn't really talked about. It's just, you know, one of those things that we just take for granted that money is. And we don't think about the Fed. We don't think about, you know, the way that banks work. We don't think about, you know, just how wealth is being extracted from us. You know, like we're just here to be harvested. And, um, Bitcoin gives us feet to stand on and it was cool to see that with her but yeah that being said um, I'm gonna be doing a meetup so if you're interested in getting uh, involved with uh, local Bitcoin um, people you know check it out I've already got like eight people going um, really really excited about it it's gonna be the first one that I'm hosting and uh, uh, yeah love to to get people there you know get talking about bitcoin and really start a cool community there's cool communities all over the place but we don't have one in, in tucson yet not not one that's been consistent and uh i'd like to see that happen this year and i think people need it people need to be involved with people that are really building a better future and to be giving hope right now and hopefully that's something that you can find there so thanks for listening have a good one